Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of F1 Chat Corner. Yes, right, that's right, we're back. The Singapore Grand Prix just got over. And for once, we're actually on time in terms of recording a, a podcast. And we hope to keep this time going forward. Uh, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about frustration, choking, and the Benjamin Button Syndrome. Joining me as always is going to be Gotham. How are we doing, boy? How was what was your feelings on the Singapore Grand Prix? Before we get to that, how is it the Benjamin Button syndrome? You know how like Fernando Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen are aging but are actually like improving and just doing things that young drivers should do, like going back to uh, Sauber or Fernando Alonso ch- now chasing the Triple Crown. It's almost like the Benjamin Button syndrome, man. They're getting younger with age. <laughs> They're like finding some kind of form. I, I, you should probably know that Alonso and Kimi probably have the biggest fan base. So uh, saying that they're going back to teams uh, that are lower down the order, I don't think that's going to sit very well with them. That's true. That's true. But I think with Kimi fans, I think like Kimi, they don't even care for wins anymore, and they just want Kimi in the grid still before you know he drives away into the sunset. So that's probably what it is right now. But who knows? Who knows what happens to Sauber? Man, our fan race. base is already depleted. Let's not uh, let's not uh, <laughs> erode our fan base even more. Wait, we had a fan base? I don't know. Well, the one or two of them that actually listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, shout out to all of them. Uh, speaking of fan base, I think the one fan base that's not quite happy right now is the Tifosi. You want to start off with the Singapore Grand Prix? Ridiculous. Uh, I don't understand it. Ferrari with such a superior car. It's just it's just a team that's not in sync. There's still something missing, uh, whether it's... Whether it's I, I, it just doesn't seem like there's there's a cool head in that Ferrari garage, you know. I mean, it's 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 crazy that Vettel has to go out drive that car consistently for like 60 odd laps over 300 kilometers uh, in such uh, terrible conditions, you know. It's it's so hot, it's so yes. humid, and uh, mm-hmm. at the same time he has to also manage the team strategy and decide on the tires and everything, and it's. I don't know if it's a question of Vettel not having confidence in the team, and so he's doing this. Or if that's just Vettel in general, because it didn't seem to be like that in Red Bull. In Red Bull, uh, you know, the, him, uh, well, Vettel and the team were in complete sync, uh, and everything mm-hmm. was going quite well. That's how he won four world titles on the trot. Uh, but then now, what we're seeing in Ferrari is that clearly the car is so much more superior. Oh it's, my god, it's, it's so much better. I mean, just look at just look at practice sessions. It was Ferrari just dominating the sessions and to a point where it was almost a done deal for qualifying where it was predicted that if at all the Red Bulls might be in the mix, but the Ferraris would have ha- would have should have at least gotten Paul or the the front row lockup. But my goodness, did Lewis you Hamilton would think. have some other ideas? But yeah, and then since then it's just been downhill, man. It's just downhill and I Yeah, I know you made the prediction, so I'll let you make that prediction. But I think I agree with you there. Oh, I think the title's done. It's uh, done. I think this is. I think it's. I I don't see Lewis Hamilton and and Mercedes for going a forty point lead, um, and conceding the title to their rivals. Not from here now. I I don't think that's no, going to happen. I think, not. in my mind, I think I think uh, the title for Ferrari and for Vettel was lost in in Hockenheim. I think that summed up. 
uh, the entire season. You know, it's just these small mistakes that that keep coming up, and uh, uh, this is what cost them. And this is what Mercedes, even though they have an inferior car, they're still managing to rise above it. Lewis Hamilton's managing to rise above it, and uh, and deliver on track, which is what matters the most. And uh, his team have backed him completely. Him and the team are in complete sync, and he even has a good relationship with Bottas. And uh, Bottas, uh, as as the memes have shown over the past few weeks, he <laughs> is the perfect wingman. He is. So he? something's just not right at Ferrari, and uh, remains to be seen. Hopefully, I don't know if if Raikkonen moving to Sauber is going to fix that. Uh, and um, with uh, with Charles Leclerc coming in next season, it'll be really interesting to see how that is. But well, I do hope something changes. Let's table that conversation for a second because I want to talk about these, you know, the, this, the lineup changes. We'll talk about Kimi in a bit. We'll also talk about uh, maybe, you know, some of the management changes that Ferrari may have to look into or some of, you know, some re- internal team operations that they need to look at. But I want to f- bring in Lewis Hamilton here again because we just brought him up. That guy deserves the fifth championship already, doesn't he? Because he's had very slim opportunities to make an impact in the season given that ferrari has had a really 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 strong car but he's made the most of it and more and i think yesterday's qualifying lap was just the perfect example of him being the complete underdog complete underdog coming into singapore and absolutely absolutely killing it i mean that for me was the best Lewis Hamilton pole lap I have ever seen, and I was speechless, absolutely speechless, for for what he pulled out there. I mean, I'm pretty, that I'm pretty speechless. I'm pretty speechless that you've just called a four-time world champion and the current reigning world champion uh, the underdog. <laughs> well, for Singapore, he was the underdog. I mean, we both knew that. We just talked about that. I think with the car that Ferrari had, with the way they were performing in Spa and even in qualifying at Monza, Mercedes was coming into every race as a slight underdog. But Lewis Hamilton has other ideas. So clearly, um, clearly, I mean, that guy baffles me day in and day out. And I am a Ferrari fan, no doubt. But that was crazy. How many races have we seen this now where Ferrari come in, they dominate free practice one, two, and three. They set consistently set the fastest times. They show the best um, uh, the best uh, sector times as well. And they, they collect so much data and they're confident about what they're going to do in the race. And then come qualifying and uh, they just suddenly seem to bottle it completely. They lose out in, call in the, the last... Uh, we should call it the Kimi syndrome. Kimi you syndrome. call it the Kimi yeah, syndrome. <laughs> That's exactly what Kimi does, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, somehow he got a toe from Vettel in Monza and he ended up on pole. But then mm-hmm. Ferrari just completely messed up his strategy. And mm-hmm. and even, you know, this is one of the biggest difference. So if you see in Monza, when um, Kimi pitted and then uh, Lewis pitted, Kimi was still in front of Lewis. But then uh, they they chose to they opted to keep Valtteri out for longer, and uh, thereby mm. they sort of backed Kimi into Lewis and ensured that uh, the gap to Lewis, uh, Lu- the gap between Lewis and Kimi was quite small, and so that Lewis could actually mm. attack later on. Something we didn't see in Singapore this time, you know, when Kimi was re- leading the race and Vettel and Lewis had pitted, 
Uh, and we saw that uh, Max Verstappen also came out, which is crazy. First of all, that Vettel got he got, got the pass. That's another on topic of conversation. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they 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 opted to pit Kimi when maybe keeping him out would have uh, sort of backed up the field. Of course, there was Daniel Ricciardo behind him, uh, but still, it would be interesting to see if uh, we saw Daniel Ricciardo. That was a fantastic uh, stint on the Hypersofts. Uh, more than almost 25 laps he ran on that uh, set of tires, which I don't think anybody expected at all. So it would be interesting to see if if they could have done the same thing to Kimi and kept him out there, you know. Could and have, absolutely I, could have. And another crazy thing was just just why would they put uh, the ultra softs on Vettel's tires? They pit him first, right? And why not just make him let him run long? Why pit? And, and then you saw you saw that the gap at the end to Lewis Hamilton was almost uh, 30 to 35 seconds. And that's just it's because ridiculous. Vettel couldn't match the pace of the soft tires. So, you know, it's these things. It's these Ferrari calls that I just don't understand why and it's I going wrong. Yeah, and I believe Ferrari came up with one set of softs. So I don't know if they don't like the harder compound or the Ferrari is just not suited for the harder compound. But there again, I mean, Mercedes came in much more prepared into the weekend. They, they play, they're playing the long game and they know how to play that long game. And I think that's where advantage Mercedes it's a team it's a team that's completely in sync like even if the car's not performing I think they acknowledge um, what's not working for them in the car and they are you know they they work to sort of okay fine they know that their their weaknesses but they try and make sure that their strengths uh, cover their weaknesses which is not something that I'm seeing at Ferrari Uh, Ferrari just seem to go and like yeah we have the better car we have the faster car we can do it but end of the day they also have weaknesses um, mm. And ultimately, what we're seeing is in Mercedes, the weakness is in the car, but the people are covering for it. In Ferrari, the car right. is strong, but right. uh, the people don't seem to be on the same level with each other. And I think that's sort of one of the biggest weaknesses. The all-round package, yeah, yeah. The all-round package just never seems to come together. Last season, it was not the most, not the best car in the world, but again, they had reliability issues when they did get a solid car going. And then this year, it's a very, very awesome car, but. It can't get their operations and the strategy going. So uh, it's going to hurt them. And I think, I hope, I don't know, if, if anything, they take the next six races as, as massive learning curves and try to kind of take the fight to Mercedes. But I think this uh, championship's done and dusted, man. Absolutely done and dusted. You know who else was done and dusted? Was Force India this race. Quick thoughts about them. <laughs> I mean, Sergio Perez. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Racing Point Force India, I forget. Racing Point Force India. Racing Point Force India slash Canada. What is Sergio Perez yeah. doing? I mean... What's wrong? We saw in Canada where he wanted Carlos Sainz black flagged for, for something that Sainz <laughs> really couldn't help. And then here in this race, he wanted... He, he was fighting with Sirotkin for track position and he wanted Charlie Whiting to come on come on to the radio and tell uh, Sirotkin to move over. Sergio Perez. And I can't believe this is the guy who has retained his seat um, for next season and not Esteban Ocon, which is uh, It makes me crazy. really feel for Esteban Ocon as well. It really does. First of and if you just look into the start, I th- yes, Esteban Ocon made a really aggressive move coming into it, but um, Sergio Perez should have yielded position to him at that point, and that was and that ended his race. So Force India was already disadvantaged, and then Sergio Perez drove an absolutely laggard race, man. I mean, 
granted he did end up behind the two Williams and had to kind of you know overtake them and couldn't but the frustrations were just too much it's just too much you got to remain calm you got to pick your battles and you got to uh, pass Sirotkin you can't just keep coming into the radio and firstly yell at the team for a bad strategy and then go into Sirotkin and then get Charlie Whiting into it to say that he was I don't know breaking him out or I, I don't even I, I don't even know the reason why Charlie Whiting was going to be involved in that so absolutely stupid and then to top it all off and I was saving this for a later time when we do a rick- rickshaw moment episode but um he he completely he was so frustrated he misjudged the defense and just rammed into Sorotkin granting him a drive to penalty which was completely I think that was absolute road rage that was absolute road rage a full road rage and i think it was soft it reminded me of vedel behind in baku uh, ran, ramming in except that was quite slow and uh, this is just this is just <laughs> this is absolute frustration this is just a rickshaw driver you know not able to handle the heat and the humidity and uh, getting frustrated in traffic and uh, completely losing his mind and and just sort of the red mist descending on him and choosing to crash into i mean you know by the same logic with which he wanted Charlie Whiting to come in and make Sirotkin move over. He should have done the same thing for Vettel. When Vettel, after Vettel pitted and he came yeah. out and he was behind Perez, why the hell didn't Perez move over? At that point, no. At that point, it's racing. At that point, he's fighting for track position. It's racing. Um, but uh, let's let's get into the awards really quick because I think we covered most of the race. I mean, it was rather boring with a few exciting rickshaw moments we'll, we'll, which we'll cover in, in a bit. Um, a very tactical race, which Mercedes hands down won, and Red Bull also won, but Ferrari came out at the back. So, really quick, driver of the weekend, no prizes for guessing this one, has to go to Lewis Hamilton. Um, he himself st- came out and stated that that was probably the best lap he has ever done, ever, in terms of a pole lap. So, that itself made him driver of the weekend for me, but also drove an absolutely exemplary race with solid strategy no mistakes absolutely pedal to the metal on point focused a championship driver winning it and probably sealing the championship so driver of the weekend goes to Lewis Hamilton overtake of the weekend is gonna go to Charles Leclerc and I will be talking about Charles Leclerc and his uh, his switch to Ferrari for 2019 but um, I think today he showed with uh, with his battle with um, I believe it was Pierre Gasly, yeah. um, and both of them went one-on-one, and both of them are going to get serious upgrades next year, so was, I got really excited seeing that, but I think Charles Leclerc um, was, uh, I think they were both on old tires, uh, had really, really, very little grip and were due a pit stop, but they kept uh, fighting for that position. Um, Charles Leclerc on, on Pierre Gasly, Gasly made a mistake, he, locked he switched up. on to the outside. Yeah. Uh, took advantage of that mistake and made a really clean move in a position on the track which is not very easy to overtake too so uh, Charles Leclerc top points for that one um, we'll preview and, what's to come uh, next season yeah and which is extremely exciting extremely exciting I can't wait I actually cannot wait for 2019 especially after this race let's just fast <laughs> forward let's just <laughs> done we're good Hamilton gets his championship Mercedes gets the championship let's Picking this go to the next uh, season already, um, but um, the the lap of the weekend that was that again goes to Lewis Hamilton because when I saw 
I think he was 0.6 clear of uh, Sebastian Vettel at the time when he made when he got that pole lap yeah. win. And I was and I just looked at that timing screen and I'm just like yeah, I just switched off the TV. I'm like literally all the other drivers should not even try to come out again to beat that lap because that was not going to happen. Absolutely not going to happen. It was an inch perfect lap. So lap of the weekend goes to Lewis Hamilton. Um but yeah, it was it was a fun fun weekend and a championship defining weekend. But I think we should probably divert our attention and talk about the um pre-Singapore driver movement which has seen Charles Leclerc become the youngest ever Ferrari driver to ever uh get a get a lineup into that Italian team since the insane, 1960s man. I believe that's insane how cool is that and I am fully on board let's bring that young kid I was almost like worried that Ferrari will be their conservative uh you know just do their conservative thing and um uh, keep Kimi on for two seasons before the rule changes in 2021 but kudos to Ferrari on that one good decision I think Sergio left his mark on that one because he wanted to make that decision happen and Ferrari honored that uh, decision of his to get Charles Leclerc a seat and then the bigger news Kimi Raikkonen goes back to his uh old team Sauber He's back at Sauber. I think that's is, a bit which of, was an interesting move, don't you think? I, I think that's a bit of class from Ferrari as well that they recognize that Kimi is still important uh to Formula 1 mm-hmm. and uh, that well Sauber is essentially a feeder team now to Ferrari, uh especially with the whole mm-hmm. Alfa Romeo partnership and um and everything. So I I think it's a touch of class because obviously it couldn't have happened without Ferrari's blessing and I'm sure that uh uh that sort of helped uh, Sauber also decide on on Raikkonen and why not get Raikkonen in he is a former driver he's a former world champion i'm sure his inputs would uh, be very very useful to the team um as a as a driver uh, who's who's still racing at his who's still racing really well i think he's shown that he's capable of putting in some stunning laps and um, i th- i think Kimi He's definitely got a lot to offer and it's nice to see that he's still going to be in Formula 1 and he's still going to be racing. So that's absolutely brilliant, but I think this this move by Ferrari to get Charles Leclerc in uh onto their main into their into their car and to compete uh, against the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull. Uh it shows the Ferrari is really determined and ambitious and uh they want to develop uh, Charles Leclerc further and i think they've recognized the mistakes in the past where they've chosen to go with uh, more of a you know uh, slightly older drivers so that they can have a more settled uh, driver lineup you know sort of have a one number one driver and number two but i think if you're getting Charles mm-hmm. Leclerc in uh, of course Vettel's not going to give up the number one position so easily but uh, i think uh, they sort of signal that they're looking to the future as well which is not something that you see from Ferrari uh very often and I, and just to add to that i think you make a, make a great point about you know even though sebastian vettel would you know want to keep that number one position and do everything possible to be the lead driver it still gives ferrari a lot more uh flexibility and agility in terms of a young fast exciting talent like charles leclerc who can keep up with vettel in my opinion uh which kimi did has struggled sometimes you know i mean singapore being a perfect uh, example where 
you know, at times when you need your, your support driver to come in and help out in terms of strategy or tactics, you know, Kimi was two or three positions, qualified two positions behind Vettel. So in those situations, you need, if Charles Leclerc has to get into a wingman position at some point next season as well, I think he's a much more, uh, he's got more pedigree and much more aptitude to do that. So I think from that angle also, I think Ferrari get a serious upgrade in Charles Leclerc. I love Kimi Raikkonen. I think where Kimi's strong points are that he's a car developer. Even though we see some funny radio comments behind the scenes, he's, he's, his inputs are really trusted and valued by the team mechanics. So I think Kimi gets, should get recognition and credit for developing the Ferrari that, uh, to the point that it is right now. Oh, but I think right now, if you were to just look at straight up race pedigree, I think it was the right call to get a young, exciting talent like Charles Leclerc, who has proved innumerable innumerable number of times this season that he is just a champion and i mean i think it's the right i think it's the right time as well i think it's the right time as well you know if you look towards uh, 2021 with the new engine changes it's good to give mm-hmm. uh, someone like charles leclerc who's young give him some time two years to, to sort of bed himself into the team uh, of course he's have to start performing from day mm-hmm. one that's what's expected as a ferrari driver but um, give yourself time, sort of build the relationship, build in the, the um, feedback structure and ensure that everyone's in sync. And that's exactly what Mercedes did as well when they got uh, uh, Schumacher and, and Rosberg in. Uh, they used Schumacher, the experienced uh, driver, uses inputs to develop the car and then that's Schumacher retired again and then they got Hamilton. Another season, him and Rosberg were racing and then after that you just saw the domination that started um, once the turbo hybrid era kicked in so let's hope that something similar happens as well at Ferrari uh, considering that this season is gone but I look that we have Charles Leclerc in and that he because and, and that he supports Vettel or both him and Vettel are allowed to go racing and that Ferrari collect the maximum points that they can in order to win win the titles that uh, they should rightly be winning already uh, and also set up a structure that can uh, then try that they can take into the new era of engines from 2021. So I think it's a smart move by Ferrari. I think they're doing it at the right time. Uh, they recognize that it's time for, for um, a new new face on the block. Uh, and also, the, I think they've handled it really well with Kimi um, in terms of ensuring that he's that his value and his, his um, worth to Formula One is not lost and that he still continues in the sport. And I think mm-hmm. that's great uh, all around for, for everyone. And Kimi, of course, he's happy to go racing. That's all he ever wants to do. So uh, it's good to see that he doesn't care whether he drives really for Ferrari or for Sauber and he just wants to race and uh, uh, show that he can still do it. So yeah, I think that's a great touch. And and uh, this is the difference between Kimi and, and Alonso. You know, Alonso, you see him complaining a lot about the car and everything and he sort of gets bogged down by all this. But Kimi just gets on with it. Because they're two very different personalities. They're two, and that's a shift. They're two very different people. But in the end, I, I still like to see. I like to see the kind of attitude that Kimi has. You know, like okay, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But you get on with it and not complain about it endlessly. So. And I think you make such a great point. And I was you literally spoke my mind out by saying that because the difference between that's the difference, and I prefer Kimi over Fernando Alonso on that as well. Is that if you just look at performances. Uh, at the end of the day Fernando Alonso has just one more championship over Kimi and Kimi also wasn't in F1 for two seasons mind you which a lot of people don't remember of that he actually took a sabbatical from Formula 1 for two seasons so if you just look at driver pedigree Fernando and Kimi are kind of almost at par if you ask me 
I know a lot of Fernando Alonso fans are going to get pissed off with me saying that, but I think what I love in terms of temperament, again, is that Kimi just loves racing. He loves to just go out on the track and race, no matter what the tools given to him. He doesn't complain. He just wants the car to be a little better than it is and tries to extract the best out of the car and then goes on and has fun with his family. And, you know, that, that's something I really value. And it, I think that shows that proper racemanship that he comes in with. So, yeah, I fully agree with you. I, I think that's why I was always more of a Kimi fan over Fernando, because yeah. I think he's less of a polarizing figure than Fernando. When, it, when, when, the, when the going is good, Fernando can grab onto the opportunity. When the, when the going is bad, you know, it's almost nicer to have a Kimi in your, in your, on your side to kind of just keep keep plugging away and driving and yeah. enjoying yeah. racing as much as possible. Absolutely. So, good point. Very good point. Speaking of good racers, quick point on Esteban Ocon. Sad. Absolutely sad that he doesn't have a drive next season. To think that Danny Kvyat is coming to Toro Rosso. I'm so happy. And Esteban Ocon couldn't get a... Ah. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy. But I feel for Esteban Ocon, yeah. man. If you're telling me that Danny Kvyat is a better driver than Esteban Ocon and he couldn't get a seat, a single seat in F1 at the end of the season just because of money and politics, uh, we still have a ways to go in Formula 1, yeah. man. But, I mean, that is that is what mm-hmm. it is. Um, it's unfortunate, yeah. I mean, sure, for Lance, in Lance Stroll's case, it helps that uh, his dad is the one who owns the team. But I also don't think... I, I think people... It's very easy to say that Lance Stroll is... Oh, he's the son of a billionaire and that, you know, he's just throwing money at um, buying a race seat, which is what every driver has to do. It's just that Lance Stroll mm-hmm. doesn't have to work that hard to get it. But end of the day, I think Lance Stroll is also a very good driver. I mean, he showed that last season as well. Oh, absolutely. When he finished on the podium in Baku. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, in a Williams that uh, really obviously wasn't uh, the greatest. So... I think people give Lance Stroll a lot of stick and they say that he's he doesn't deserve his seat in, in um, Force India. But I don't think you can do that. But I, I, I do think that there are obviously... There is a seat for Esteban Ocon in Formula 1 uh, because he does show that, you know, finishing in the points for almost two seasons continuously back-to-back, that is some achievement and that needs to be recognized. And it's sad that uh, he's not getting that. The great point on Stroll as well. I think Lance Stroll should be given more credit. I think he's he's proved his his metal in an inferior car. He's, he's consistently better than Sirotkin in weekend and week out. So no, no doubts that Lance Stroll deserves a seat in Force India. I'm not going to question that at all. I think my questioning was more towards... You know, if you're getting a Danny Kvyat back in to Toro Rosso, I mean, how hard is it for Toto Wolf and Christian Horner and Helmut Marko to just sit down and be like, hey, listen, take Esteban Ocon and use him to develop the Toro Rosso more. Um, but like you said, a lot more goes behind the scenes that we know of. So unfortunate for Esteban Ocon. I have an interesting theory as well. <laughs> I don't know. This is a crazy chat corner theory is that considering you know Lauren Stroll being the man you know the other years and he's a very very uh, convincing figure in Formula One and motorsport in general if Sergio Perez keeps acting the way he does and keeps uh, pissing off the team principal at Force India which he did today as the, I don't know if you saw the uh, interview but Otmar was not a happy man when he was interviewing with Sky Sports um, 
who knows i mean maybe maybe they make a call where they drop Sergio Perez and actually bring an exciting talent that gets the ball knock on to partner with Lance Stroll who knows i'm just making that prediction well right the now. politicking in formula 1 is is very strong so you never know what's going to happen uh, uh, people are ready to yeah to do something on that so it, it could be it is highly possible that something like that happens uh, but end of the day money talks in formula 1 person who brings in more money gets to keep a seat. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get the likes of rickshaw driver moments out of these drivers. So let's get into the auto rickshaw driver of the week and and there were some serious contenders in this one, man. Serious contenders. Starting with Sergio Perez's move to block Esteban Ocon. I think that was silly from him as well. It's silly of both of them. So that was rickshaw moment number 1. The second moment we talked about was Sergio Perez getting frustrated with uh, his own team and with Sergei Sirotkin for, you know, uh, slowing him down, quote unquote, and then involving Charlie Whiting into it. Um and then making a move, getting so much road rage and frustration and literally colliding into Sirotkin when Sirotkin tried to defend his position back, which he had every right to. <laughs> and then um if that was in all if that was in all you had the one the only roman grosjean almost completely ruining lewis hamilton and max verstappen's race by fighting again with sergey sirotkin with absolutely no regard for the blue flags <laughs> and that was hilarious man where i was like okay uh, we haven't seen roman do roman things in a while but uh that was fun to watch so it was a tough you one forgot one more decide, you forgot one more to give it to so you forgot one more oh did i forget well, one was, more there was there was sirotkin on brandon hartley oh well, my god sirotkin yes finally, i totally finally had enough of people sort of uh, hounding him and trying to overtake him and then he decided that uh, he could maybe send hartley on a little tour of the barriers so <laughs> almost almost worked out and he literally it almost he <laughs> He almost parked the car in front of Hartley yeah. like oh yeah you want to overtake me on the outside here you go boom I'm just going to chill yeah, and then he second. got a 5 second time <laughs> before moving and this, this is what I don't was. understand Sirotkin for that for where there was almost no contact he got a 5 second stop go penalty Sergio Perez what he did I thought was way more dangerous and it involved contact uh, but he got only uh, a drive through penalty and this is this is what I don't understand about the system uh what what Perez did in my mind was way yeah, more I dangerous and it resulted in debris being thrown out on track and it could have uh you know behind them was Nico Hulkenberg and he could have easily gotten a puncture because of that uh and so this is what I don't understand about absolutely the, the awarding of penalties i think that was very unfair i think Sergio Perez deserved a much much harsher penalty um at least a 10 second stop go penalty mm-hmm. for for such a reckless driving um but then again this it is what it is so we'll give we'll give the harshest penalty to Sergio Perez and uh, we'll give him the auto rickshaw driver of the weekend yes <laughs> yes but if you ever wanted you know a race where you want an auto rickshaw highlight reel this was it this was it this was definitely it. <laughs> but that's okay moving on moving on to Sochi Russia um where we know that Mercedes has it in the bag but um typically it could could be an interesting race for ferrari i mean ways to kind of make a statement or two before the end of the season um we make predictions that hamilton's you know done and dusted the championship's done and dusted but you know crazier things have happened in f1 so 
who knows we still want to keep our hopes up and still be excited for every race that comes our way so uh looking forward to sochi next i don't know i've i've never been a big fan of the russian grand prix i don't enjoy it i think it's one of the most boring races um i've never really <laughs> had too much fun it's it's always been a bit of a snooze fest for me mm-hmm. so uh i think this is just one for the sponsors yeah. and uh i think been keeping our friend vlad happy but uh otherwise just give it just given up on rush just given up on the race already huh? i i think i think there could be potentially more exciting races uh, more exciting locations for a race i can't wait for suzuka which is i think oh, yeah. after that suzuka so. i can't wait i'll be good all right well well on that fun note um thank you so much for joining us everybody we'll be back after sochi uh until then have a fantastic week a couple of weeks fantastic weekend in the middle and we'll see you on the other side take care guys Thank you.